let this word be for the people. Okay, so um, first I'm actually gonna start off, uh, I think this is the correct quoting, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So the reason why I'm saying that is because before we got out of the car, Jamal asked the boys to give me some words of encouragement and Austin said to speak of the fruits of the spirit and to not be shy. So I had to throw that in there because it's actually not <laughs> in my message. So now it is. All right. So my topic title was initially inspired by this ring that I had bought. I know I'm extra like that, but it's a rainbow with a cloud. It's super cute. And it reminded me whenever I saw it, when I looked to buy it, of all of the promises that God has made come through this year for me. And then the other part of my uh, topic title actually came from Pastor Keith when he initially asked me to do Fast Week. He said that I should talk about all the revelations that I received this year. So a little bit about me. I like to look up words to see what the deeper meaning is so I can pull some sort of spiritual context for it. So in the dictionary, a rainbow is a wide range or variety of typically related and colorful things. This perfectly describes a lot of the life lessons that I've learned and the revelations that have been shown to me this year. A popular meaning in the Bible for the rainbow is um, a reminder of God's promise to the earth um, whenever he made a covenant that he wouldn't flood the earth again. Everybody pretty much knows that story that happened after Noah's Ark. But there's actually a couple of other times that the rainbow is mentioned in the Bible. So Ezekiel 1, 25 through 28, it's talking about Ezekiel's vision. And in the vision, he compares, like he sees the throne of God, and he compares it to um, uh, God's shining glory as a rainbow. Also in Revelations 4, 2 through 3, um, it also compares the shining glory of God to a rainbow. So that makes me rethink rainbow beyond God's promises is also a symbol of God's shining glory over our lives, which bring wisdom and enlightenment. So revelation in the dictionary is a divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world. When I think of the word revelation, I think of God's revealed truth of either something from the past or something that's yet to come. Either way, revelation breeds wisdom and enlightenment. Also, just a little anecdote, revelation is the book in the Bible that, described the end, that describes the end of man's rule. You need to yield to God and let him rule your life in order to get his revelations. Also, a rainbow is said to never have an ending, like you'll never be able to find the end of a rainbow. So if it represents God's glory, that means God's glory has no end. Isn't that something? Okay. So the title of my talk, if you haven't guessed it yet, is Rainbow Revelations, because I've learned a great deal of colorful revelations over this past year after I yielded myself to God and came to the conclusion that I had to end trying to rule myself. I realized that I must get into covenant with God as he is the only way to survive. Lastly, I realized that ultimately God allowed me to go through my experiences for me to use them to help give him glory, which is what I'll do. So through my life, I've been semi-successful at friendships. I say that because I'm great at making friends, but I haven't been so great at keeping friends. Transparently, I think I was a little too brash for people. 
I was raised to always tell the truth, but I didn't learn the lesson to filter the truth in love. So what a lot of people got was me proactively advising um, my opinions over them and pointing out issues about them. And so without even considering what I was saying, I would talk about people's insecurities and I didn't know it. Um, I would talk about, uh, I mean, just pretty much anything, anything that I thought I would say. And I didn't ever consider if it would be offensive to someone. So a lot of times my friends would end up dissolving because we would end up getting in arguments because we would all be in offense. They would be in offense of what I said. I would be in offense that they took what I said offensively. So it didn't work out. I realized that basically in doing that, I, I wasn't valuing my friendships because I would actually cut people off. So if someone was doing something that I felt like didn't align with the word of God, I would tell them and then I would separate myself from them because I was like, I don't want to be a part of this life. I would just leave and, and, and not have, I would just wash my hands of the person. I never prayed or tried to help people work their stuff out. Looking back on my part, I realized that I was casting my own judgment. And over time, because, I mean, this happened with pretty much all of my friendships, I got lonely. And because there was no one around to really help me understand the issues with myself, and we aren't meant to be in isolation, and that includes all types of relationships, and although I had family and acquaintances, I didn't have any really solid core friends, especially not anyone that I knew that was living for God. So eventually, I got to the point where I desired friends so badly that I became desperate. And because where I was with my spiritual walk, I didn't consult the Holy Spirit about my desperation. And I did what desperate people do when they don't have a solid foundation in faith, and that was I made the decision to end my suffering prematurely. And since my steps were not ordered, and I was making decisions out of desperation, I started befriending anybody who wanted to be my friend. And because I made those friendships out of fear, I maintained those friendships out of fear. For example, if I knew my friend was a hater, how many of y'all ever had a hater friend? I would just let him be a hater. I wouldn't call them out on anything that they would say. Um, and I wouldn't even try to like tell them my wins because I didn't want to ruffle their feathers. I would just let it ride. And I, I was afraid because I was like, well, if, if I step on their toes or if I, if I'm not, if I don't, uh, or if I shine too brightly, then they'll, they'll stop talking to me. So how many of y'all have ever made a decision without consulting the Holy Spirit? It's surprisingly easy, especially if you aren't firmly planted or believe what God says about you. And he says that you're valuable and we all have a purpose and we're all uniquely made. So um, the less you use the Holy Spirit, the less you can fill the Holy Spirit, which will increase the likelihood that we'll all make a wrong decision um, or a rushed decision to end our suffering prematurely out of fear, impatience, or ignorance. So it's funny because actually, so, you know, we just moved into this building, and when we were setting up this new building, I would come and I would volunteer a lot. And most, most of it was because we didn't actually help that much move from the old building. So with this move, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta help so much. And I knew it was a good opportunity to talk to Pastor Keith and Pastor Melanie. So you know what, you gotta use your tools. So one thing that Pastor Keith has said to me was, he said that the reason why I hadn't been successful in friendships is because I always befriended people that were just like me. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I, I, all my friends are different. Like, they look different. They have different 
ethnic backgrounds. Like, Pastor Keith doesn't know what he's talking about. Not on that. He's missed it. But what the revelation came as I was actually rehearsing this message was when he said, um, just like me, he didn't mean that look like me or even act like me. He meant that we're not on the right spiritual journey like me. So if I had a friend and I didn't value them, they weren't valuing me. And that's because we were attracting each other. We weren't trying to upbuild each other. We weren't trying to do anything that were, was going to help upbuild our spiritual journeys. So that's what he actually meant. And I was like, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, that's good. But that brings me to my point one. Don't rush the mission. Take time to consult the Holy Spirit. So during my breakthrough of 2019, God downloaded so much information once I consulted the Holy Spirit, and that was to pray for everyone and judge no one. We have to extend grace to other people's growth because we all have a press that we're trying to get to the other side of. And we can't forsake intercession. There were several friendships that ended prematurely whenever I just didn't want to be a part of someone not living right, that I could have helped people potentially turn to God and grow spiritually if I would have just prayed for them. So we can't be selfish with our walk. Because even though um, you have a situation where someone else isn't living right, what I've learned just personally is that there will always be a time where you're going to learn something too out of it. So even if you're not necessarily in that lifestyle or doing that wrong thing, you're always going to take something from that as long as you're a part and you help aid that person's spiritual journey. Just a food for thought. Ephesians 6.18 says that we have to pray in the spirit at all times, pray with all kinds of prayers, and ask for everything that we need. Um, to do this, we must always be ready, never give up, and always praying for all of God's people. So not only do we have to make sure that we're prayed up, we're living right, we're living in the fullness of God, we have to pray for everybody. So that's even the person that you got mad at, even the person that you're in a fight with, you have to pray for them because that's what the word of God says. Also in James 5, 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So since the Bible tells us that we have a duty to pray for each other and we can't pass judgment on people, um, especially if they trust us to confess their indiscretions to us, because that's going to be something that heals them. And yes, God may give you an unction from the Holy Spirit to provide some sort of godly wisdom to your friends, um, but the most important thing that you can do is pray for them. And it even says, if you're living righteously, your prayers are powerful and they're effective, so they're going to work, so they're going to help your friend, so you owe it to your people to pray for them. Amen. And when we extend judgment to others, we will receive judgment by God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get judged for my indiscretions in life that I've done. So we have to have the right heart. When we extend grace to others, we will receive grace back. And that's grace from God, which is above any kind of grace that we could ever give away anyway. So Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I know that we heard this a lot <laughs> at church because Pastor Keith always talks about it whenever um, we're giving offering. Because the message is all about giving. It's really like, there, I think like if you read in certain versions, it says like judging others, but it can be used as far as anything that you give out. 
it will be measured back to you. So if you give out grace, grace will be measured back to you. If you give out judgment, it'll be back to you, pressed down, shaken together. And I don't know if you guys want that kind of judgment. So it's best that we check our hearts. <laughs> also, friendships and all relationships, they should be utilized to be able to chase after God together and also grow and shed our toxic habits. Now, Satan understands the power of relationships and being in agreement with each other, which is why he tries to throw us off by getting us into our feelings, which brings me to point two. We can't fight on the level of feelings. If Satan can get us to think and react on the level of feelings, he can get us in a state of confusion and misunderstanding. If we make moves and relationships out of feelings, then we can destroy those relationships, which is what the adversary wants. No relationships equals less power. I don't know if most of you guys, but I think most of you guys have at least counsel with Pastor Keith and Pastor Melanie once. So whenever I heard them, you know, mention counseling, I'm thinking like whenever, like, I don't know if anyone's had experience of sitting down with a therapist or you may be a therapist and people have it in their mind that they're just going to lay on a couch and talk about their feelings. It's probably because of what happens on TV. So that's what I had in mind. So when I counseled with the pastors, I was like, their methods are so strange because they don't focus on feelings at all. And initially I was like, wait, do they not care about my feelings? Because I have so many of them. But God revealed to me that they're on a mission to get us on the other side of our feelings and understand the spiritual aspect of things. They know that if we focus on our feelings, we will stay stuck in the moment and never climb out. They want us to get out of our wilderness, which is where we are if our feelings rule our lives. Our feelings will lie to us, especially if someone tries to give us the truth while we're in our feelings. We, we can get caught up in pride and try to deflect. We'll say things like, what you said hurt my feelings or offended me, when, a, when in the reality of the situation, especially if it's coming from someone that's giving you godly wisdom, that's probably speaking truth into your insecurity, you're faced with having to either humble yourself and own it and be able to grow from it, or you cannot deal with the issue and instead try to flip it on the other person to make it seem like they're the problem so that you're saving face. And we can't do that. When we aren't ready to hear the truth, it can sound like a lie, which is why we have to stay in communion with God so that our feelings can't give us a false sense of reality. We don't always see the danger in not being completely humbled or giving into um, the things that we're afraid of just so we don't have to be uncomfortable but in addition to hindering our spiritual walk, giving into our fears and not being completely transparent and humbled about our situations can hinder other people's spiritual journey around us as well. Which brings me to my next point, mention it all. That's a pop culture reference. I knew no one else was gonna get it, but it's okay. It's from Real Housewives. Okay, so lots of us know the story of Abraham and Sarah but I want to focus on their story in Genesis chapter 20. This was after Abraham had helped save Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they started traveling again. Just a little side note, Sodom and Gomorrah is my favorite story in the Bible. So they went to a city called Gerar, Gerar, G-E-R-A-R, and they settled there. While they were there, uh, Abraham got scared because he didn't know the people, so he didn't think they were living for God. So he started telling everybody that Sarah was his sister. So there was a king, Abimelech, there, and he heard of Sarah, and Sarah was dope. So he was like, wait a minute, she's single? 
So he took her for himself because he was like, oh, I'm going to add this to my collection of wives. And yeah, so Abimelech actually was a believer of God. So that night when he went to sleep, he had a dream and God came to him. And his dream was like, um, so yeah, you got somebody's wife. And if you touch her, you'll die. And he was like, wait a minute. Like, I didn't know that she was married. I thought that, you know, she was fair game. Uh, you know, this guy said it was a sister. It's like, no you have to give her back. So he's like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing. The next day he got up, gave Sarah back, confronted Abraham, and they eventually they they ended up resolving the uh, situation. But what if Abimelech didn't hear from God and then he ended up sinning against him? That would have been all because Abraham misled him out of his own fears of telling the whole truth. And I say whole truth because Sarah is actually Abraham's half-sister. But they ended up getting married, so they were husband and wife through covenant. But the lesson here is that our inability to be completely transparent could cause someone else to either sin, die, or not get what God has for them. What I thought was most interesting about this story is that even though Abimelech was misled by Abraham and he could have technically been killed by God due to Abraham's lack of transparency, he still blessed Abraham with gifts and money and sent him on his way. How many of y'all blessing people who trick you? I'm not, not at this point in my life. I'm trying, Jesus. Um, so Abimelech showed grace because he understood that it was the righteous thing to do, which brings me to my next point. Grace gets the gold. Just because someone did something to hurt you doesn't give you a right to operate in any way other than love. I mean, look at Jesus. He still fulfilled his purpose even when people tried his gangster. Even when people tried to tell him who he was and who he wasn't, and even though he knew people would reject him, he still died for all of us and all of our sins. He gave us a gift and a service that we could never afford to repay. I'm going to close with a couple more points. First, be of service. If you are a Christian, a person living for Christ, you are obligated to serve everyone around you. Because even though some of us don't want to accept this, it's not about us. It's not about you, and it's not about me. Galatians 5.13 says, at the end of it, that we need to serve each other in love. Mark 10.45 says, um, well, it actually just talks about Jesus coming to earth, not for people to serve him, but to be of service. Serving also breeds humility. You have to humble yourself to be able to serve. And wisdom is with the humble, according to Proverbs 11.2. So if you want to be smart, be humble. If you want to humble yourself, go serve. And then you'll get your wisdom. Next point, everything is everything. Purpose even in the smallest of details. There is purpose in everything that we go through, especially the bad. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, talks about the painful things that we suffer is to test our faith, or it does test our faith. We suffer with Christ, and we will be happy and full of joy when Christ shows his glory. And I'm living proof that God can fill you with joy when the world is seemingly shattering around you. We have to allow God to use everything in us to bring everything that he designed us to be out of us. We're all designed with unique abilities, talents, and gifts. We need to use our talents to aid our spiritual gifts. Romans 12 through 4 talks about how we should use our gifting to help build up the body of Christ. So everything can and needs to be used for his glory. 
And lastly, don't let yourself plateau. We can't rest in who we are or what we see ourselves as as an excuse. We can get addicted to resting in our strongholds. And I know like when you hear strongholds, it's super churchy, but and like people think of like alcoholism or drug abuse or something like that. But stronghold is anything that keeps you from getting your fullness of God. So if your stronghold is offense and everything that everyone does to you offends you or makes you feel some type of way, you need to shed that and, and get rid of that because that's going to keep you from getting your fullness. If it's laziness, if it's um, you can't be on time for anything, whatever it is that your stronghold is, you need to get empty yourselves out of it and get rid of it so that you can be filled so i'm going to end with a rainbow <laughs> okay so r run to god a acknowledge your strongholds i increase your press and never look back b be transparent and humble o own your obligations and W, write your vision. And that's all I have. Thank you.